You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. From the 45-yard line, Manning fires downfield for Russell Shepard, and the former Panther makes the catch. He was not touched. Touchdown, Giants! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and I am without Mike the Cranky Fan today and possibly at the end of the week. I'm not sure yet. Uh, Cranky Fan is off on some slight medical leave, and uh, to be completely honest with you, I'm nauseous after last night. So, awesome. Great start. Um, This just... as like a disclaimer is going to be kind of a shorter episode because it's really hard to kind of flesh these ideas out on my own without like a back and forth and um, probably isn't nearly as entertaining to listen to either. So, um, you know, just, just as a disclaimer, this one's going to be a little bit short, but I'm just going to give you some musings and uh, you know, the cranky fan and I had conversations all throughout the game yesterday, last night. Um, and I want to kind of carry some of those conversations over. Um, so I, I guess like the biggest thing is after this uh, 37 to 18 loss to Dallas, really more like 30 to 18 is that last seven is a garbage time points. Um, the biggest question we really had uh, was what the hell even is the Shermer offense? And, you know, we both kind of walked out of the stadium like, I, I really don't know what it is we're trying to be, what we're trying to do, who we're trying to kind of scheme to be the playmakers on this offense because it certainly doesn't really look like it's Barkley but like he's kind of injured. Um, you know, to me, it doesn't look like it's Evan Ingram, the way he's being utilized where he's not really catching anything in stride doing a lot of stop routes and things like that. It just doesn't look right out there. Like you've got two different identities in, in roster and in a scheme. And then I rewatched the game. God, Fucking God help me. I rewatched the game. Um, and I still agree with that. I'm confused about a lot, but I'm seeing some other things, right? So I'm seeing now what I, what I think I'm seeing as a general statement is a very slow integration of what Pat Shermer wants to do. Wise or not, it's just what it appears to be to me. What I mean by that is the first couple of games with Daniel Jones at quarterback, we saw a lot of RPO action that didn't look like RPO, like actually in action. So (laughs) an RPO play without RPO action, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You see a lot of, you know, the setup, it looks like he's reading the defender, but he's handing it off every time or he's pulling it back and throwing, but he's never actually pulling it back and running. And over the last two weeks, we've seen Daniel Jones take off and run. And that slow integration of the full RPO playbook might be something that we're seeing. The other thing I've noticed is that 
while I don't believe in Pat Shermer as a head coach, I believe in him slightly more as an offensive coordinator because he actually does have the track record there of being successful as an offensive coordinator. Um, of course, the play calling and all of that is is up for you know criticism. It's all warranted. But what I will say is I think that some level of the criticism needs to be dialed back a little bit. At a certain point, I look at this offense and I think that this play would work if this guy just did his job. This play would I mean, there are drives in this game. When when I what I remember last night was an offense that couldn't do jack shit. And what I actually saw when I rewatched was a couple of drives where it really looked like the Giants were taking control on offense. They didn't capitalize. And he's like, we I, I could have a whole episode on the red zone offense and how pathetic and awful it was. Um but at a certain point, I look at this and I, I think that it's player execution. And some of that is roster upgrades necessary, right? I mean, again, we could have a whole other podcast on Nate Solder or, um, you know, John Jalapio, the, the offensive line, uh, your your third wide third wide receiver, I say, but really is like, is there a number one wide receiver on this offense? You know, is Evan Ingram being utilized correctly? Do we have a blocking tight end? Uh, that those are those are conversations that we can have where we can talk about this team needs to get better roster wise, but I think some of it too is this team needs to get better experience wise. I mean, we, I think that Daniel Jones is a quarterback that you can build a franchise around. But I also think that he's a guy that's going to come in here and take his lumps and look like a fool at times. Um, and I, I think there's some of that to go to round. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know that all of the blame that Pat Shermer is getting is as a, as a play caller is warranted. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things I'm seeing where, you know, when this offense gets in a groove, it just marches down the field. And and before, I, I think some people need to temper their expectations a little bit in uh, in what they see and what they expect. So what we saw the last two weeks were games that could have been won, probably should have been won, and the Giants fell apart. Now this week, they come in, they're playing a team that is all intents and purposes, much better. Giants have no business winning this game, and yet they start the game with a lead, and uh, you have yourself a back-and-forth game. You have a one-point game for a a good chunk of time. You have a five-point game for a good chunk of time, and Giants fans expect that to continue, Uh, I I would think. I, I do think. I think that fans expect what they were seeing to continue to see this to be a close. This, this had no business being a close game. Um, and really, I think that's more an indictment on bad coaching on Dallas's part. But that's for another podcast. I don't care about it. I'd love to have that podcast next year after a win. But I'm not going to waste my time talking about how poorly coached Dallas is uh, after, after after we just got lost by double digits. Them, so... Um, with that said, um, I think 
two guys who you have talent that does not need to be upgraded but did have hindering plays were both Darius Slayton, rookie, and Daniel Jones, rookie. Um, Daniel Jones, you know, some aspects of his game are seeming to improve. He he especially throws well when he is in a in a groove, um, and it's not always first look things. It's a lot of it has to do with protection, and sure that some of that has to do with play design and getting the necessary amount of blockers in front of him. If that means max protecting more often, then that's what it means. Of course, you cannot design an entire offense that works max protecting all the time. So it comes back full circle to player execution. This offensive line is not giving Daniel Jones time. You can go into player execution. Daniel Jones is not moving well in the pocket. I will say he moved a little bit better in the pocket this week than we've seen in prior weeks. He's actually running on his RPOs, but the biggest thing for him is ball security is not getting any better. I won't say it's getting worse, but it's it. there's no improvement there whatsoever. The interception, you know... It is what it is in a certain sense, but it's such a bad time for that to happen. It really is. And and that whole drive was just shit. You know, you have you have you think you're in prime position to score before the half, you've got all three of your timeouts, and then you're in a situation on third and ten where the other team is using their getting ready to use their timeouts. And they don't even have to because you throw a pick. So garbage. And the, the the fumble the, the first fumble on the run, you know, slide, man. You're a quarterback. I, you're, you're running. The sliding is going to have to be something they're going to have to teach him. You know, sure, if, you, if you're fighting for the first down, whatever. But you're in your rookie year. We don't need you knocked out for multiple. We don't need a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where you think you've got your guy. And now you don't know if he's going to be available anymore. So... Get out of bounds, slide, do what you've got to do. End of story. Um, and when you do those things, fumbling is actually really hard. So Daniel Jones and his ball security it continues to be an issue, and uh, you know it just can't happen. Darius Slayton, two penalties. He had a drop pass, and on the interception, which I, I don't know if you could see on the broadcast because it didn't look like it, but live – you could see he was not at any point looking until it was way too late. And um, I'm not really... I guess it's I guess it's a little bit unfair of me to criticize him because I don't know how, fa- how far downfield he should be before he looks back. But he was pretty deep. I, I have to think that he's got to be looking back before that. So by, by, by the time he turned around, it was about inches away from the defender's hands. So he did... No way of adjusting to the throw or even reacting to it. He had no idea it was even on the way. Um, and it was a critical penalty in a critical spot. You had the lead, and then you end the half behind by one. It's bad. Um, and we could talk at length about that. One of the things that... Um, one of the debates that Giants fans like having is talking about the draft and uh this is something that the cranky fan kind of weighed in on with me but it's not something that we like to talk too much about until after free agency and after a full college year and and full scouting and and um 
you know, your combine and your interviews, because those things are all important. Um, but as a matter of principle, would the Giants benefit more from Andrew Thomas, the, the left tackle from Georgia, or your your edge rusher from Ohio State, Chase Young? And um, I've said it on Twitter where I've said, you know, you can't go wrong. You know, either one is a, is a slam dunk. It appears at this point in time today. But when you look at this team, I think left tackle is their bigger concern. You get yourself a franchise lockdown left tackle, and suddenly everything is a lot better on offense. And if you get yourself an edge rusher that you know gets 16 sacks – that's amazing. It's outstanding. And it'll do a lot for this defense. But you know what it won't do? Anything for the offense. More opportunities with the ball. If the, if, the, if they can't... If they play offense like they played last night, they will end with the same record. And I'm 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 actually a defensive guy. I enjoy watching a, a dominant defense. However, when you have an offense that scores points, it helps the defense. They're on the field less. They're fresher. You know, they get to pin their ears back. I mean, you you go up, you're up 28 to 14, 28 to 17, 28 to 10, 28 to 13, and it's now in the fourth quarter. You're allowed to just kind of rush the passer. You don't have to worry about a balanced attack as much. It helps the defense. A defense that's shutting down an offense and and an offense that can't do anything, it, it just puts the defense back out on the field and they have to keep working. So... You know, I, I really think that fixing it sounds like the 2012 Just Giants podcast that didn't exist, but getting yourself a dominant offensive line with this quarterback, with this running back, and with this group of receivers, whether there's a number one on this roster or not, helps so much more allows this team to be competitive. You'll never win a championship with a defense that played as bad as they played last night. I'm not in any way trying to insinuate that, but I I truly feel that you start making progress and strides uh by by fixing this offensive line first. And um that's kind of my makeshift sh- uh make makeshift shitty segue into um how bad the inside linebackers are on this team and defensive line I, I look i know but last night with the way elliot and 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 um pollard the way they were able to move the ball it's easy to say that this defense needs so much work and that the, the defensive line isn't good we need edge rushers on both sides we need two new middle linebackers we need better safety Look, there there is plenty of talent upgrade to go around on the defense, but that's a really good offensive line and a really good running back. They're going to be a tough matchup every year. It's just the way the the if they keep up with the offensive line the way they have it, whatever. That's that's a tough matchup. It's always going to be tough. And if sure, if we were better, we'd have had Elliot averaging maybe three and a half yards to carry instead of a hundred or whatever it was. Um, 
looked like a lot of gap integrity issues, and that falls on the inside linebackers. David Mayo probably should be the fifth inside linebacker on the depth chart and a 52nd, 53rd member of the roster um, special teams player. Should probably be a healthy scratch every week. Instead, he's starting for this team. And uh, not for lack of trying, uh, you know, the Giants used a lot of draft picks to try and upgrade this team from the ground up. There's a lot of players here that haven't been in the league very long. It's very young. They've brought in Dayun Buchanan. You know, they, they're trying. It can't be fixed overnight, but it's got to be fixed eventually, right? Alec Ogletree had, was burned awfully by Blake Jarwin, put in a bad position where he just let Jarwin run right by him because he had his eyes on Dak Prescott. You know, not something you want a veteran to do. You know, if he got outrun by Dak Prescott but was covering his guy, fine. We can talk about, you know, the guy's getting too old, can't run guys down, sure. But when you're completely out of position acting like a, a, a guns-blazing rookie and you get burned, that's not what you want to see from a, your, your veteran, your leader, your, your guy getting people lined up. But the inside linebackers are bad on this team. Um, I think the defensive line is really good. I think you've got probably a good set of corners for the future. I know people want to slam DeAndre Baker. Um, I'm not ready to. I'm not saying that he's going to be in lockdown. I think they've got themselves a good corner. The corner learning curve is, is not learning curve, but the uh, adjustment curve from year one to year three is is crazy how it just seems to finally turn on um so, so give it time don't don't lose out uh, you know sam beal was was actually a very highly coveted coveted corner he had his whole awkward thing with the supplemental draft that kind of threw off his value he hasn't practiced in forever he was finally activated today i expect that he'll probably do a lot of uh maybe special teams or be a healthy scratch until he's really caught up. He's, he's really been away for a while. Corey Ballantyne didn't embarrass himself against a good group of wide receivers last night. Uh, he, had, he had his lumps, though. Don't be fooled. Um, there, There's stuff here. Um, do they need an edge rusher? Yes. Do they need inside linebackers? I would say probably more. Um it all depends, obviously, if if Marcus Golden comes back, you know, etc. I mean, they need both. They need both. Um, it was a bad game. Just a couple of notes of things that look good is uh, Golden Tate is really, really good. Um, much, much better than I, not that I thought, but seeing it happen when no one around him is really doing anything. I mean, I'm not even talking about the one-handed catch. Amazing though that may be. That whole drive was brought to you by Golden Tate. Um, end arounds and catches of all kinds. It stuck his foot in the ground at one point and turned a loss of two yards into a gain of four. Uh, he really came to play last night. It's a shame that uh, coming to play is not something that the rest of this Giants team wants to do. And... Uh, Cody Latimer had a really good game on kickoff returns. It seems silly to mention, but it, it's hard not to. Uh, 
two almost broke free. Very close for touchdowns. Would have been game-breaking plays. Again, if this team were better. Um, just a couple of things I, I, I can't not talk about, I guess. And uh, one is the DPI review. Is, you know, I said it live. I, I can't. I can't believe that Pat Shermer is going to challenge this and he's going to lose because it's by the book, but I know it's going, he's going to lose. Said it when it happened. And, uh, it, it really is at the point now where it's an embarrassing rule. And what I mean by that is if you were to be watching this game and your friend were to come in the room to hang out with you and doesn't really know much about football and says, What's going on here? What are they doing? And you say, oh, they're reviewing to see if it's a penalty. He asks you what the penalty is and the rule. You can't in any way actually describe the rule to him or her and then come up with the result that happens week after week and in games across the league not affecting the Giants at all. This is not even biased. Like I said, I was at the point of shrugging last night. It's just so pathetic and predictable but it, it's at the point now where it, it, it's an insult to our intelligence and i don't know i mean this is this is tongue-in-cheek but it feels like there was either a secret meeting among referees to boycott a rule that they don't like and therefore not enforce it or a secret meeting among owners to get Saints fans to shut up about a admittedly awful call in the NFC Championship by putting in a rule, showing how bad it can be by telling referees not to enforce it, and then getting it out of the league in a year and moving on with our lives. Um, and in the process, you know, it, it just, it's not fun to watch. It makes no sense. It's just... It's so bad. And, you know, it doesn't matter how all the Tony Dungies and Troy Aikmans that come out and say it's bad. It doesn't matter anymore because, A, you can't get it back, and, B, suddenly enforcing it is only adding to the inconsistency around the league. If any of you actually remember or if you have Game Pass, you can look this up on, on uh, the Internet or uh, if you if you happen to have a DVR or whatever, my dad might be the only person that has saved Giants games on his DVR. But in the Tampa Bay game, Jabril Peppers was called it w- was challenged for his DPI for a DPI on a th- marginal by the the gap in which uh, should have been called last night, just not even close to marginal. It, it's it really is something that is a sight to behold. Um, and then just on the topic of uh, rules griping, it seems silly to me that, um, and I never really thought about it before, I guess. Maybe I have and I just forgot, but it seems dumb to have situations where, and this is this is new as of a couple years ago with the new kickoff rules, but you have a scoring play with an after the after the play personal foul and then that 15 yards is enforced on the kickoff but where you kick off from 
So now you have a situation where you have a team kicking off and you either pin them deep and it's essentially no penalty since most kickoffs uh, pin them deep. I mean, kick a touchback, kick it deep, um, and you get a touchback. And it's essentially no penalty for the other team because most kickoffs are going for touchbacks on account of player safety. Or um, you have a situation where you try to kind of pop it up and in the end, you have a 15-yard penalty on any other play turn out to be a four-yard penalty because it's they run out to the 21. I mean, it, it just – I get that you you can't necessarily yeah, – I mean, like what if he scores on the kickoff, right? Yeah, I understand that. But the, there has to be something better where your options aren't – a likely less than 15-yard penalty or a no penalty, which is what would happen on a kickoff, um, a touchback. That just seems silly to me. I I don't know. Maybe you have it enforced on the run back, and if there's a touchdown, the extra point is from an extra 15 miles, 15 yards away. I don't know what the answer is, but that seems like bad um, rules to me. But, hey, what do I know? Um I won't really know until tomorrow, until after this uh, episode is released tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, uh, how this Friday's episode is going to be, if it's going to be another one of just me, or if it's going to be some back and forth with the Crank fan. It's going to depend on his recovery, how he's feeling, and what he's able to do. Um, but also, if you're worried, don't be, because he'll definitely be fine for... The, the, the Monday episode so it's it's really no big deal but I'm you know at, at two and seven it's not worth him if he's sleepy even getting up to uh to show with me uh you know sorry sorry what that means for your entertainment and how how boring this might be just listening to me but I do promise to bring the goods on an analysis level on how the Giants can avoid losing to a team that seems to be trying to lose next week so with that uh, please follow me on Twitter. I think you'll find that to be a little bit more entertaining than actually watching the games. And that's at football underscore grump. You can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at just giants pod. You can follow the cranky fan on there at, at the cranky fan. And uh, this podcast is available on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, you name it. If it's not on your favorite podcast app add us on Twitter and we will get it there and make your life easier because we're like that. Um, special shout out to football cat might have been the best player on his home turf at MetLife Stadium all year. All right, everyone, go Giants.